Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're on Long Final, Ireland's aviation podcast from Squawk 7000. On this episode, we look at the options to get professional academic qualifications in the aviation industry. Ireland is home to various top-class aviation industry education and training options aimed at aspiring high flyers. Ranging from an MSc in Aviation Finance in UCD to Carla Institute of Education's Bachelor of Business in Aviation Management and Munster Technological University's International Business with the Aviation Studies BA Honours course. Dublin City University offers a BSc in Aviation Management the first university degree in Ireland to combine management studies with the option to train as a commercial pilot. Alternatively, its students can opt to undertake air traffic controller training. DCU also offers an MSc in Management, Aviation Leadership, a specialist postgraduate programme designed to provide participants with knowledge in all key aviation sectors and strategic management. Well, joining us on this episode from DCU are Dr. Cahal Guillomar, Assistant Professor of Aviation in DCU's Business School, and Programme Chair of the BSc in Aviation Management, and Dr. Marina Eftimio, Assistant Professor in Aviation Management and Course Director of the Master's Course, the MSc Management Aviation Leadership. You're both very welcome. Marina, take me back to how DCU established an aviation department and courses. We started having an undergraduate degree in aviation management after we were approached by the industry. Uh, So the industry first realized that uh, we have a number of uh, commercial pilots with no uh, educational background, formal educational background, and therefore they were looking to have a course that accommodates uh, these needs. So they established uh, the undergraduate degree. And then uh, not long after that, uh, this undergrads was uh, very successful and they decided to establish a master's degree. From an aviation perspective, we have an undergraduate degree that Cahal is leading uh, and a master's uh, that I'm uh, the program chair. And then we also do uh, PhDs uh, in aviation. We have been very recently re-accredited by the AACSB accreditation, uh, which is really a testament of the high quality, impactful work uh, and efforts of DCU across all the areas of teaching, learning, research and administration. Uh, We are very proud of uh, having very highly qualified and experienced staff uh, who are highly committed and very student-centric. And then also a feedback that we got from the accreditation uh, that it's also very much validated by what the students say about us is uh, that we do have uh, 
and international network collaborations and engagements uh, that enriches the teaching and the research environment for both staff and students. And we're really very much industry focused. Uh, so the content of both our degrees has been guided by the Aviation Industry Advisory Bo Board that really reflects the current and the future issues and trends. Carl, if I can ask you then about the undergraduate program, because it is an interesting idea for anybody who grew up in aviation that typically people went into the business either through a passion or a love for it. Uh, so where did the impetus come that there was an academic requirement as well? That arose because traditionally, as you say, uh, pilots in particular went straight into pilot training from school and they then would find themselves maybe 20 years afterwards or thereabouts ready to go into a management role, but without any background, for example, in law or accountancy or economics or whatever. And the airlines now are very keen to recruit pilots who will have both sides to their backgrounds. And internationally, the bigger airlines, you know, insist that their pilots have, have a university degree as well as their pilot training. So this is a bit like uh, parents suggesting to you that you have the bit of paper or an insurance policy to fall back on. Well, there's that aspect too, for sure. The undergraduates, of course, aren't only looking at the option of flying. There are also other branches that, that, that the degree takes. So the bulk of the undergraduates, the bulk of them, in fact, train to be aviation managers. So a very large number work for airlines, a good number in the airport. And then there's a large number of supporting companies across a, across a very, very wide spectrum that are pleased also to have university graduates in aviation who are not starting completely cold when they come into their job, but they already have a decent background in uh, aviation. I mean, there's very often, too, sometimes a gap between what uh, the academic world is providing and what the industry wants. How did you close that gap? Well, DCU does pride itself on seeking to close that gap across all of its programs. Now, I'm in DCU about six years, and I'll admit to being a skeptic when I arrived as to whether this was more than a rhetorical flourish. But I have to admit that, in fact, it is an ambition that's met. A lot of the teaching staff here, including myself, in fact, have a background in the industry. Uh, and we have a lot of part-time staff who work today in the industry, as well as teaching some modules to students so that they can offer a completely up-to-date perspective on what's done in the companies. So, so we, we close that gap because it's a general ambition of DCU. So you are in regular touch with the airlines and with the various different operators? We are indeed. And one way in which that's revealed is that our students in a normal year, uh, in, at the start of their third year, will work in the industry for about six months. Themselves. I was indeed looking on your website and there, there are various different uh, comments from students about how, how they found that particularly a useful part of the programme is that they actually get to go on the coalface. Yeah, it's, it's even better than that, actually, because from the employer's viewpoint, it amounts to a six month job interview. At the end of that, at the end of a placement, you really know whether you want to keep this person in the future. And very many of the students, in normal times at least, uh, are approached by their employers towards the end of their placement and asked to stay in good contract or even given part-time work uh, and then recruited, in fact, at the end of their, their college years. Uh, just let's stick a, a little bit with the idea of people deciding that they want a career in aviation. And we may have people listening to the podcast who are at that point where they're deciding, well, look, here we are uh, just in the midst of a pandemic and the possibility of looking at an aviation career might be a bit dubious. We've heard people say that actually now is the time to consider to start training. So there are a lot of indications that make it still something worth careful consideration by students. 
One of them is that they will spend four years in college. So it's really the state of the industry uh, in the middle 2020s that they need to be concerned about rather than right now. And you have to imagine that one way or another, the industry will be very different then than now. Secondly, the degree itself has a large standard business component, accountancy and law and some of the things I mentioned before, as well as the aviation component. So that in fact, the student is trained to be a manager in general, should they go that direction. So there's that extra insurance element, or if their interests change, And then the final consideration for a portion of the students is that there was never a time, and I think the industry does recognize this, when the industry more needed well-trained analytical staff managers who will be in a position to help it deal with the big challenges the industry faces, which is not limited to to the virus uh, in the coming years, and to bolster the depth of their staff in that fashion. So this is the time um, from from that viewpoint to to be getting trained and to spend the years in DCU uh, grappling with some of those problems. I couldn't agree more with Cahal. Some very uh, valid points uh, he brought up. From a master level, I could say that even we do have a number of students that they do not have a formal qualification, that now they have ended up in a situation that maybe their career is a bit uncertain and they want to validate their knowledge through going to an institution and obtaining a master's. So for the master's in aviation leadership, for example, we have a special entry route for those professionals who don't hold a primary degree, that they can come in and do the course and obtain this primary degree and see their career being accelerated or maintaining their position. So I think that's extremely important given the current circumstances. And we have seen that the interest from aviation professionals being increased in obtaining a qualification. Actually, that's where I was going to take it next, Marina, was because uh, some people might again appreciate just exactly what a master's is for, because a lot of the time people will look at it on a piece of paper and think it's just a, another higher degree. But, but what's the actual philosophy of somebody saying, OK, I have my a degree or maybe I don't, as you say, I have just life experience and work experience. What does a master's give you? I will say that the master's does give you this degree that uh, in some case you might be missing. Uh, and it's an important parameter for career progression. Uh, But at the same time, I think it does support you in developing a professional network. Uh, So you do network with your colleagues, you do network with uh, our part-timers and full-time member of staff, and you do network with our guest, uh, high-profile guest speakers that are coming to give lectures. Uh, But above all, I will say that they do increase your knowledge and understanding in this industry. So we have seen uh, a number of commercial pilots coming into the course and knowing everything about piloting, for example, uh, and then they realize that there is something more, that there are more career avenues that they haven't considered before. So it's not only getting uh, the primary degree disqualification, uh, but it's also enriching and broadening your understanding and creating career paths that you haven't imagined before. And, and as you've mentioned there, people can have a, you know, a superb education and grounding in, in aviation and in safety. But where is the gap in leadership? How, how do you fill that gap? Well, uh, the course does have certain modules. All our modules, they're focusing on management, strategic management and leadership. So there are dedicated subjects uh, like aviation leadership of, or leadership and change management that they can really uh, create the knowledge and understanding for the candidate on how to progress, uh, how to implement uh, changes, uh, how to find ways of navigating this complex environment. Uh, so by having those modules that are very much 
practice focused uh, through class discussion, case studies, then you do get ideas uh, on how to implement changes and, and how to strategically navigate this environment. Carl, can I go back? Because I think we, we would run the risk of just focusing on pilots because there are actual specific streams in the, in, in the degree uh, that people can take. When does that actually kick in? That kicks in in the final year. So all of the students have the first three years in common, studying business and studying aviation. And then in fourth year, they divide into three groups. The group that remains in DCU and continues to study aviation management. The group that goes to a, a, a pilot school to train to be a pilot, because of course DCU does not do that itself. And when students ask us why not, I point out that uh, we don't have a runway. And it's difficult to train pilots, therefore. And then finally, there's a, a recent stream of air traffic control uh, students who, who leave DCU, who go to, a, again, a training facility for air traffic controllers and who spend of the order of a year or a little more. And then the, the second and third group uh, use their qualifications from pilot training or air traffic control in combination with their first three years in DCU to allow them to graduate from the university, as well as to have the other qualifications they require. I imagine it's expensive. So particularly pilot training is very expensive. Of the order of 80,000 euros, perhaps in Ireland, depending on where you study, it can certainly be more. Uh, of course, to, to do the managerial stream is just the university cost, which by comparison is very low. And air traffic control is um, currently if you're, if you're selected by the Irish Aviation Authority, for example, they pay for, for the training. Now, for the pilot training, the issue really is, and always has been, whether the stream of candidates able to enter the industry for that role is in, is in some ways distorted by the fact that the financial background, unless the person wins a cadetship or something of that kind, the financial background has to be very strong. Certainly the airlines are conscious that there are strong candidates in the population that they also want to be able to consider. And I think from the student viewpoint, there is a valid question which goes as follows. If you want to be a surgeon, essentially the state pays. If you want to be a pilot, for the most part, it falls on your own shoulders. And certainly to me, there isn't a very obvious reason as to why that should be true for the longer term. If the, you know, if we put the virus to one side for a moment, the question would, as the, as the industry expands, the or it was planned to expand, the requirement for pilots was said to be enormous, partly because the generation of pilots who went into the industry when jet airlines were developed in what would have been the beginning of those people's careers are set to retire and need replacement. So whether the airlines can continue to obtain pilots at, at very low cost to themselves and the state likewise, uh, it, it remains an issue for consideration. A question for both of you. Both your degrees have been running for a, a period now. Um, what about the alumni? The, the, where are they now and what are they feeding back to you? So, so the uh, undergraduate degree is about 11 years old now. And in fact, we find sometimes deliberately and sometimes accidentally that we bump into uh, our own graduates really across the length and breadth of the industry. So they're in all of those uh, kinds of companies that I've mentioned and, and other companies as well. And that's plainly helpful to us for, for many reasons, including having feedback on the degree itself, but also on the industry and people who are helpful to our own current students in finding employment 
uh, with their own companies. From a master level, we do see them progressing professionally. So we have seen them getting more senior positions, uh, which is a great indication of the good work that we're doing. Then we have seen some of them that they weren't coming from an aviation background, obtaining aviation specific jobs, which is great for them because they can now materialize their dream. And then we have seen that in most cases, this professional network that I was referring to before is still maintained. They have very active WhatsApps that they exchange information about open positions or industry news and gossip sometimes. So we have seen them achieving a great deal of everything that we hoped. So the majority of them, they're doing really great. If anyone were to criticise the world of academia for just a moment, perish the thought, It's very often that the research stays within the walls. In other words, people get extremely engaged in the research and the information. How are you getting that out into uh, the industry itself? In other words, are you, as a a department, able to influence aviation policy? I think we are. Uh, I mean, both Cajal and I, we belong to a group, the European Aviation Conference, which is a very industry-focused network of both academics, but also industry professionals, uh, with many leading figures from IATA, ACI, and ITF, uh, OECD. So within this kind of group, we do have discussions on uh, the current research, uh, but also the industry needs. So that's one avenue. A few years ago, we organized a conference at DCU. It was one of its kind that we brought all our students. Uh, Many of them, they were asked to share their research, uh, which some of them they did. And then we do take pride in conducting research that is very much industry-focused. Some research, uh, some recent examples might be the flight time limitations uh, that we have been sharing via, (laughs) yeah, it had reached a lot of engagement from the pilots especially. And then also another project that we currently have on environmental training for pilots uh, that was uh, developed together with uh, with uh, Andy O'Shea, who is the chair of uh, a piloting uh, licensing uh, policy group of EASA. Uh, so I, I do think that we do do some excellent research uh, that it's industry focused, and uh, we do try to share it to our best of our capacity from our social media, but also some industry conferences. But yeah, dissemination of research is very important indeed. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah, I would agree with everything that Marina has said there. Uh, I think we are the center of information and training and research and so on in the aviation area. You know, we have, we have good links with the Department of Transport, uh, including the, the task force they had last summer, considering ways in which to maintain the existence of aviation and to help it provide. There's no doubt there is also room for improvement, particularly research that ought to be of practical interest to the industry. You only have to look at social media to see a huge level of dissatisfaction, particularly amongst the uh, the aviation community, about the lack of government support at the moment. Can you influence that? We can. We, we certainly do present certain arguments. It's, it's a difficult time for aviation with the, with the background of the virus. Uh, there are obviously intense arguments worldwide as to how much of the ex- development and expansion of the virus, spreading of it, has been due to transport networks. Plainly, they, they played some role. But then there are so many other factors in regarding person-to-person contact within different jurisdictions and different social practices as to what, how much people come up close to each other, as it were. Uh, and, and we all know the toll being taken on all of us by the need to, to distance now and so on. Uh, at the same time, you know, uh, a fair hearing for, for different industries is, is important. And an awareness, in, you know, in Ireland's case, there is the special factor which I think the Department of Transport is well aware of, that if you allow... Ireland is a very big transport network, a very big air transport network, a lot of connectivity to far-flung parts of the world, particularly compared to even 10 or 20 years ago. And if those were to wither, it would not be straightforward to revive. So the the medium-term, you know, post-virus transport services uh, network is crucial to keep in mind alongside the requirement today to to strangle this disease. Can we find out a little bit more from, about both of you and how you find yourselves in, in a department that's teaching aviation skills and, and leadership? Marina, well, how did you find yourself where you are now? I come from Greece. Uh, I started doing my PhD in air transport after I have done a master's in tourism. Uh, so I started developing an interest uh, in the industry. Uh, And then I continued my studies and I started working for Eurocontrol. I never planned to end up in academia. Uh, I will say that I ended up there by chance and then I just stick to it and I couldn't leave. Then after working uh, for a university in the UK, uh, Brexit came and I seeked employment elsewhere. And uh, one of the most obvious choices for me was Dublin City University because I have heard about their department, I have met some of their teaching staff, uh, and therefore I applied, I I got the position, and I'm happy ever after. And for you, Cahill? So my background uh, is in fact in economics, and I worked as an economist in a number of organizations, taught economics in fact in other institutions at other times. And then the Aviation Regulators Office, the Commission for Aviation Regulation was established in Ireland 20 years ago with some you know, licensing and regulatory responsibilities. 
I moved to work there in 2000 and eventually uh, became the regulator. Now, that's a, a time-limited appointment, so that came to an end in 2014. Other people have taken over since, and uh, it was appropriate and sort of logical and convenient for me to move over to DCU at that point, given its aviation uh, specializations. Uh, so I moved back into academia, where I had been before at that point, and have been, have been here since. And so for anybody who's been uh, staying with us on this podcast, they might be enthused to find out a little bit more. Carl, I go to you first. For the person considering going through the undergraduate process, is it a CAO application? Is it straightforward? Or is there anything extra that a person has to do to get into the programme? It's a completely straightforward CAO application. Uh, we're sometimes approached directly by students here and abroad, and we have to explain to them that we can only consider uh, the candidates offered to us by the CAO in due course. So it's, uh, you know, for Irish students, it's leaving cert base in the normal CAO way. There are ways for our international office to judge secondary school level qualifications in other jurisdictions, but it's, it's a completely standard CAO system. There is a very, very modest uh, maths requirement also, uh, in addition to the normal CEO, because we, we teach elements of pilot training to all of our students, even those who, who won't become pilots. Probably it's a good idea that they know why a plane stays up in the air. And points-wise, how does it compare? Oh, points-wise, um, I think I'm right in saying we're at around 450 points or so at the moment. Uh, so I would say we're, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're well within an achievable points target for you know, a, a large number of students. So one other matter I would stress for people who might be considering studying in DCU is that the industry itself now is conscious that it has a low proportion of female staff outside cabin crew areas in, in various other dimensions in, in piloting, but in, in mechanical and engineering roles as well. And the airlines are also conscious beyond that, that they are flying to places now where it's advantageous to them to have on their staff uh, students whose own cultural background is different to the standard Irish background and who can help the airline interpret the worlds that they're flying into. So uh, people, you know, certainly absolutely females, but also people who are uh, have backgrounds in other areas should not feel that uh, aviation isn't open to them. Uh, the airline employers maybe in particular are very keen to boost the proportion of their staffs in those areas. Maria, then, of course, at, at master's level, there's an expectation, I suppose, do people come directly from the undergraduate programme? Or do you also encourage people maybe with a few hours in the logbook or miles on the clock? Yeah, obviously, those who have some work experience, are, they're much more preferred than those who don't. We do have a requirement that they have three years of minimum working experience. But yet we do accept those who have excelled in their undergraduate. So if somebody holds a first and has done a placement, uh, they will most probably be invited for an interview and they might get a position to the course. Uh, then we do have uh, a requirement uh, of a uh, two two. Uh, and then uh, those who are commercial pilots or air traffic controllers, they do not need an undergraduate degree. We do recognize their commercial license uh, as uh, an undergraduate degree, so therefore they can get a direct entry to the course. We do have an open day, a virtual open day, uh, coming uh, forward on the 16th uh, of uh, February at 4 p.m. Uh, you can find more information at business.dcu.ie/events. Uh, we're very much looking forward to welcoming you there and learning more about the course. And we'll put a link to that in the programme notes as well. And I thank you both for joining us on Long Final. 
and hopefully we've given some people some ideas about getting themselves qualified in the world of aviation. Thank you both. Thank you very much, Michael. Thank you. And thank you for joining us on this episode of Long Final from Squawk7000.ie. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe and do tell your friends. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.